values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. And thanks for being here. Election Day is here. We're getting perspectives from all sides of the aisles of what we think outcomes might be and strategies going in. Joining us right now, the former deputy director for Biden for president here in Arizona and founder of Slingshot Campaigns, Tony Connie. Tony, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. I'm really happy to be here. Let's let's talk about your overview of what you've seen of candidates so far. And since you are a specialist on the Democratic side of the aisle, let's look at the Democratic candidates here in Arizona. Where do you think they've performed best and where do you think they may have fallen short in some areas if you were advising them? I think that where they've performed best is that they've really had targeted campaigns where they're out there talking to exactly the right voters they need to be talking to, which means you've got so many people on the left and so many people on the right that have already made up their mind that you got to go out there and find not only the people who you might need to persuade to vote on your sort of, you know, your side, which I think you've seen a lot of outreach to Republicans who might not be as into some of the Trump shenanigans as the uh, main ticket, you know, but also convincing people, hey, you know what, it's really important for you to get out there and vote who might all otherwise vote for Democrats, but typically wouldn't vote in a midterm election. And so, pardon me. So I think they've done a a really good job sort of tactically at that and and focusing on the issues that are important to them. The thing that, um, you know, I would, I am the kind of person who thinks that we, you need to, in today's media environment, that you need to, that you have to build up. I'll say it like this: It's so hard to convince people that some of the really wacky things that somebody like Mark Fincham has said or has stood for are true, because it's so far out there. You know, like on social media, he said that the assassination of Paul Walker, the actor, or that he died in a car accident, but it was an assassination by the Clintons. Like just wild, crazy stuff. And so, I do think. That, you know, we could have started a little bit earlier and starting to communicate some of that stuff to voters so that here at the end we could be offering a more, um, you know, clear sort of economic closing argument. Do you think it was a mistake for Katie Hobbs to not debate uh, um, Carrie Lake? Or do you think if if not, do you think the way their campaign handled that situation could have been handled better? I think I think this election is going to be extraordinarily close. And I think that whenever there is a close election, uh, you know, if you if you lose or if you win, you're going to you're going to you're going to blame everything. And so I think that the, the issue, I think, with the the choice not to debate, which is an issue that I you know, which is a decision that I understand, isn't that I think voters are like, I want you to debate. I think the problem is that. um is that Secretary Hobbs is she was known as a as a fighter. She's somebody who like there's there's no denying the fact that she stood up for the election. She stood up against death threats. You know, she had people visiting her home, all this stuff. And by um, choosing not to debate for reasons that, you know, I, I think do make sense. It gave the late campaign an opportunity to sort of paint Katie Hobbs in a way that I think isn't fair to who she actually is, uh, you know, painting her as a, a coward and these kinds of things. That being said, you just got to look at the polling numbers right now to know that, you know, four years ago, Doug Ducey was winning in Arizona by what, at this point, like 12, 13, 14 percent. And so there's a lot of, uh, you know, people being very concerned and and stressed out and all this kind of thing and and, and saying this strategy is good or this strategy is bad. But the bottom line is, you know, Katie Hobbs is either up by one down by two, down by three, like she is in the fight. And I think that you have to give some credit to the fact that that's actually where she is.
when you uh, you worked on the Biden campaign here in Arizona, yeah. do you do you think that the state of the economy, fair or unfair, do you think the perception there's new poll numbers out that shows the president down below 40 percent in approval rating? Is that dragging down Democrat candidates in Arizona? Yes, I do think it's dragging down Democrats uh, in Arizona. And I think that I think that everybody believes that the economy you know, it, it's tough right now. Inflation is real. Um, you know, the fact that um, the cost of housing is skyrocketing. And I think it's a little bit unfair to blame the president, but you don't play in the world of fair or unfair when it comes to campaigns. And so, um, you know, I do think that that's, that's a truth. And so you got to take a look at that and say, which is pulling people down more? You know, uh, some, you know, even though I think that, you know, on the federal side, Kelly and, and Cinema and, uh, Biden have, have accomplished quite a bit, um, you know, uh, the, you know, concerns about the economy. Is that pulling people down more or on the other side where there's concerns about the extremism and the connections to Trump? Because in a year like this, Mike, Democrats should not be running close in Arizona. That should not be happening. Uh, you know, it should be happening in a few uh, situations, you know, um, but. You know, but I, I think that that's the situation that we're looking at. We're comparing sort of those two. All right. So then that leads me to my last question is about what you would deem successful for Democrats. Let's go with just the six statewide races first and not individually, but as a whole, you look at six races in your mind for Democrats in Arizona. What number of wins it would you consider successful in the current climate in politics? I am a Democrat from Arizona, so one would be successful, but I sure hope that we get more. You know, I mean, so I, I, but aside from like joking about it, I do think and I know that the rhetoric seems very over the top, but I, I but, but I genuinely don't. I think that it's, it's real. I think that when it comes to these executive races. When I, and, and the sort of like rampant sort of election denialism and, you know, and, and you have Fincham and, and people saying like they wouldn't decertify, they want to decertify this kind of thing. I do think that we need to win at least one of those statewide elections so that there's some balance if the Republicans end up winning. And, you know, worst case scenario for me, I think, is that you have Lake wins the governorship and Fincham wins secretary of state. And Lake is a rising star in the Republican Party if she leaves to go on a national ticket, which I think is. She would certainly be considered that makes Fincham the governor and then Fincham gets to pick the new secretary of state. And that would be horrible. So it's I, I said last question, but this it made me think of something else. We now know that there are about 20 percent of locations in Maricopa County are having some issues with a tabulation machine. And most people believe because of what's gone on with elections and decertification and everything else, that it would be Republicans that would be crying foul. If there is, is a big win for Republicans, will Democrats look into those machines and wonder if somehow they were treated unfairly? No, I honestly don't. I don't think so, because really what's happening here is. The system that was set up by Fontes and, and, and the current uh, supervisors and, and recorder have even improved upon it. Um, you know, the way this system works is that if there's a failure at one spot where the tabulation machine is just like not running, you can just go to another vote center. So what happened to Pinal County in the primary was there was no choice. There was nothing you could do. You were in trouble. And so this is this is I, I know that it's frustrating and I genuinely I know some people say like, well, you should vote early to avoid this. And I do think people should vote early, but everyone has a right, regardless of party or when you decide to cast your ballot, to have your ballot safely cast and counted. And people should feel assured of the fact that this is the designed system to make sure that your vote gets in. And it's that if it's that, you know, you can go to one of the other polling places or there's an in the county I saw a, a Republican 
uh, candidate tweet that if you do that, your vote won't count. That's not true. And I, I think you, you guys have all been doing a great job of reporting what people should do. Um, and so, yeah, I, anyway, that's a long thing to say. I, I, I think that the system is, is strong. I think it's working. And it's built exactly to handle um, you know, potential problems like this. Tony, it's good to talk to you for the first time, and I hope maybe after the elections are over, you'll come back. We'll talk results. Yeah, I'd like to do that. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks. That's Tony Connie, founder of Slingshot Campaigns, also was the deputy director for Biden for Arizona. So a little picture from the other side of the political aisle. Coming up in a moment, one member of Congress has a strange solution for inflation. We'll talk about that in just one moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. And thanks for being here. We roll along on Election Day. If you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast, please do it on your iPhone, your Android, any device. It's very simple. Never miss a minute of the show. This week, the Mike Broomhead Show podcast brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home and guaranteed offers by going to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. All right, so uh, this is – I've talked about being tone deaf, and um, this is my – I guess you, you can call it – I know people think that if you're on one side of the aisle or the other that you can't understand or empathize or at least understand what someone on the other side of the aisle thinks. I try to do that as best I can for a couple of selfish reasons. Number one, I want to be able to defeat their argument, so I want to understand their argument better. Anybody that's ever been on a debate team, and I have not, but I've talked to many people that have, is there are times when you have to argue a position that you don't necessarily personally hold. So you have to know that argument in order to be effective, even though you don't necessarily believe it. So I try to give people the benefit of the doubt in that regard. I think that when it comes to, for I guess there are a lot of people that don't think that talk radio and fairness go hand in hand. I have been immensely fair to this administration, acknowledging that not every problem with our economy was caused by President Biden, that there are some of the things that he says when he talks about Russia and oil and the war, that a lot of that is true. It is. But there are things that they have done or haven't done that have contributed to this. And so the biggest issue for me is I believe they are acting as if they are tone deaf. We just had Tony Connie on, who is a strategist as a Democrat, and a perfect acknowledgement of – now, I didn't agree with everything he said, and he wouldn't agree with everything I said. But when I asked him if President Biden's poll numbers are dragging down Democrats, he said absolutely. He talked about how it is perceived. He doesn't necessarily think it's accurate or fair, and he said we don't live in fairness, but it is connected to President Biden. I mean, that's the closest thing to an acknowledgement from a Democrat that I've heard that things are not going well and it isn't boding well for Democrats. I'm going to give you an example. I played this earlier. I want you to hear this. This is a a representative named Sean Maloney, a, a Democrat from New York, being asked about inflation and high prices. His answer to me is stunning. Um, Hudson Valley residents are feeling pain at the pump and at grocery stores. Uh, what have you done and what do you plan to do to help solve uh, our inflation problem? Yeah, well, I grew up in a family where, you know, if the if the gas price went up, the food budget went down. So by this time of the week, we'd be eating Chef Boyardee if, if that budget wasn't going to change. Right. So that's what families have to do. Hmm. Gas prices go up. So what my family did was we just ate less. We ate worse. 
We, we got Chef Boyardee. When the gas budget went up, the food budget went down. That's what my family was like. That's what we have to do. Does that sound like the champion for the working class? I mean, you are there are families. And now he's in the Hudson Valley area. Now you're talking about where it gets very bitterly cold in the wintertime. There are families that will be making a choice between heating their homes and filling their bellies. You are either going to be warm and hungry or cold and fed. And those are going to be real decisions for families. Now, I, again, being fair, am not saying that it is 100% on the backs of the agenda, but it plays a role. But when you are tone deaf and you say something like that to your constituents, that is what breeds anger and discontent and doubt. When you say something like that to your constituents, because I, I promise you that it wouldn't be just Republicans that heard him say that and say, what are you talking about? And that's where the problem lies. People have lost so much equity in their homes. Now, if you're not selling, it doesn't matter, but it does breed fear in people. Home prices going down may bode well for some people trying to jump in the market. But the reason why home prices are dropping is because interest rates are going up and it's slowing people down, which means your payment might not change for that same house, whether it was valued at a half a million dollars or four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, because what you lose in the price of the house and so what you would gain, I guess, in the lowering of the price, you are losing in the higher hiring or raising of the interest rates. And this has been my biggest issue with this administration has, well, two things. Number one, the refusal to change directions, that when the direction they're going isn't working, they refuse to change directions. But secondly, and not acknowledging and saying we understand you're hurting and that we must do something about it. They just act like nothing is wrong. The president talks about how great the economy is. He continues to do that over and over again. They brag about job numbers, which accurate, fair enough. But you've got to acknowledge that there are people as we speak that can't feed their family and have enough money for gasoline so they can get to where they need to go. I mean, it's an amazing thing to not acknowledge it. And, you know, maybe people are going to say, of course, well, you're on the right, so you're going to see it that way. I don't think so. You look at the president's poll numbers and how abysmal they are, and they're dropping like a stone as gas prices are going back up again. This is not because he's a Democrat. It's because they are tone deaf. And if I were part of the advising team to the president of the United States, my messaging would change tomorrow on how we're going to handle it. And I, don't, I just don't think that it will. Coming up in a moment, a new poll finds that Americans agree schools are too politicized. We're going to discuss education and options that Arizona now has. We'll do that next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. This is the key to voting day success right here. Heavy metal music at the polls. I think that's what we need. A mosh pit at the polls. No, you don't think so, Julia? (laughs) Bad idea? A mosh pit at the polls? Okay. Um, We may get one anyway. It is a rough day out there. And in all seriousness, we're going to talk about the election throughout the rest of the morning. And not just on this show. We are going to go deep into the night with coverage. There's an election special all day long. There is no one in the Valley that has better coverage. No station for sure that has coverage as good as ours here at KTAR. I work with a great news team. We've got reporters in the field on the ground. We've got people working on stories here. We're updating them often. We're going to have guests all day long. 
to keep you informed on what's happening on Election Day. So keep it locked here to KTAR and download that KTAR News app. Um, Before we get back to more election coverage... New poll finds Americans overwhelmingly agree schools are too politicized. That is what has led to what we are seeing in a change of direction in public schools in Arizona and around the country. It's not just here. But looking for solutions, I think in the end, we all want solutions. We all want to see our children educated. And especially at younger ages, the older I get, and maybe I'm wrong, I would love to talk to professional educators about this. It is so much more important in my mind to educate a young child because – You're giving them the tools to learn when they decide they want to. Maybe I'm injecting too much of my own personal experience in this. But it is – when you have an education, when I was young, I had a great elementary education. I was an excellent student. I was an A student. I read early. I read often. I was a great reader. Um, I could comprehend. I, I, it was just, I was always very good at it. When I got older, when I got into high school, I was a terrible student. I wasn't an athlete. I was working. I wanted to grow up. And I thought I, what I wanted to do was grow up. It wasn't growing up at all. I was acting like a petulant child. But in my mind, working and making a living was growing up, and that's what I wanted to do do. I did not understand why I had to learn some of the things I'm learning. If you're someone that says, I'm going to go in this direction with my life after high school, and you think, well, then when will I ever use these other things? And that's the way I was. What's funny was the very things that I never thought I would use, I used every day of my life in both of the careers I've had. And so looking at what solutions are, when you look at the numbers where we are seeing every state in the union has lost in reading and math scores, that we are seeing younger and younger kids that are falling behind, meaning they're not going to have the ability to catch up as they get older. Just the reading thing alone in third grade. Up until third grade, you learn to read. The rest of your life, you read to learn, meaning that skill set that's given you, that skill set you earn and that you develop by the time you're in third grade empowers you to learn for the rest of your life. You know, I changed careers in my 40s and went into this radio career. If I was not a good reader, if I could not retain, comprehend, and convey a thought about what I was reading, no way I have any success in this business whatsoever. And I'm someone that barely has a high school diploma. So let's talk about solutions. This is a great story from AZ Central. It's a story from EVIT, the East Valley Institute of Technology. Trade students train for lucrative careers and finish with minimal debt. Now, we are all talking about the expense of college. I will tell you, I will never dismiss a college education, ever. I think it's a great thing for people. But when you are looking at someone that's going to go into the workforce that says, you know what, if I can go while I'm in high school and develop a skill and a reputation – because you do. Whether – and I'm going to stick to Evit because I know them best. Let's say I, I was an electrician, so going to the trades immediately like that is easy for me. Let's go to the culinary arts. They have got a culinary program there, and you're a high school student, so you decide to take it up. By the time you get out of high school, you've developed a reputation with restaurant owners and caterers and other people, not only for the work ethic you have, for your abilities, and you've got set at 18 years old a career path for the rest of your life if you want it. But there's something else that about a third of the kids that graduate from – when I say graduate, they, they complete a program at one of these CTEDs, these career technical education districts, go on to college. Or they go into the military. There's another segment that goes into the military. Not all of them go right into the workforce. But what they take with them is a skill set. They take with them a skill set that lives with them for the rest of their lives. But the best part of this is how we can recover and get kids learning 
and comprehending and focusing on their daily studies. And it's by showing them how there's practical application to it. I'm going to give you one story. Uh, I've told this story a few times, but I I was amazed by this because it, it spoke to me because I never thought this way when I was young. They had a competition with their welding department. And the high school kids, what you had to do was you had to draw a blueprint. You had to draw a diagram of you were going to build a fire pit. And you had to draw it on paper, and then you had to build it to scale. So you were judged on the quality of work and how close you were to the scale that you had drawn and the and the drawings, you know, the blueprints. So it was amazing to watch these kids use their welding skills, and it was pretty remarkable what they built. But knowing that geometry and algebra and, and well, math in general is being used in the drawing of those plans and then the execution of it in real life. And then you're saying to a kid that's now 15 years old, this is why algebra is important and geometry. This is why these classes are important because the better you are at that, the better you are at welding. Or if you're an electrician, the better electrician you are at calculations because every calculation we use is algebraic or it's geometry. Either one is used in everything we do in the field as electricians. When you can show a young person that there is real life practical application to the things they are learning in the classroom, they become better students because they know it's going to help them in the direction that they are trying to head. Why do you think athletes, why do you think student athletes fare so well many times when there's a grade point average attached to their ability to compete? I've watched it happen at every level that I coached at when I coached at the Pop Warner and then the high school level. When there is a level of commitment that is necessary for a student to get a grade point average in order to participate, and when you're a good enough athlete to think you're going to go to college to qualify academically, they do better in the classroom because they understand that the academics are going to get them to where they want to go in life. It's that kind of focus, and the CTEDs do that for these kids. It shows them that there is practical application for some of the things you think you will never use again in your life once you get out of that class. I just want to pass it and move on because I'm never going to use it again. And this is the kind of real life practical application that changes all of that. And I just I guess I'm so emphatic about it because we all want our kids to perform better in the classroom. Let's start showing them the whys, not just the what's. This is why this is important for you. And these CTEDs do a great job of it. So parents, take heart. You know, if your child struggles a little bit, it's gonna be okay. You know, I I don't want to say they're gonna turn out like me, that might scare you, but they're gonna be okay once they find their path and they have the tools to get on and do what they want to do. In a moment, uh, we're going to talk about the border and uh, a couple of things that are have people not only upset and angry, but fearful. That's coming up here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. We've got a lot coming up today at KTAR News, so make keep it locked here. We've got an election special coming up all day long into the night. We've got election coverage uh, this evening as well. We are going to be on the air at 7 p.m., and the whole gang of us will be here as well. And uh, we're going to get the election results that come out at 8, the other drop that comes on late into the night, as long as it takes to make sure we get as close to results as we can for you. So uh, I'm very proud of the team I work with. It is a great team of people that are trying to put together and have put together the best election coverage in the Valley 
So if you want to know what's happening, keep it locked here to KTAR News all day long and download that KTAR News app. When news breaks, when important stories happen, you'll be notified on your device. You can either read it on your device or listen if it's happening on the air. It is truly a great way to consume news here in the Valley. Um, very quickly, we got just a couple of minutes before the the uh, the hour is over. Why are we seeing so many people disenfranchised with what's happening at the highest levels of our government? And the economy is number one, there's no doubt. But for border states like Arizona, people are frustrated. Around the country, people are frustrated. Uh, the, uh, the record number of migrants have escaped Border Patrol in October. That's, that, that breeds fear in people. The story that shows that people are being set up in hotel suites complete with room service, it frustrates people. When we talk about how 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 to talk to your kids about drugs in the age of fentanyl, that also breeds fear and discontent in people. I will tell you what my goal is, is that we have to get past this. We've got to do what's right by the laws in America or we are going to lose people that support legal immigration. We are seeing it happen. People are disenchanted with what's happening at the border. They are watching people take advantage of American kindness and nothing is being done about it. So what we should be talking about is how do we take the groups of people in this world that are clamoring to come to America like they have in generations before and find a place for them in this country to work if they just want to come and work with a guest worker program, expansions of our visa programs, or if they want to come and be citizens. Instead of that, look what we have happening. And the longer this goes on, I don't care what political party you're from, the longer this goes on, the less Americans are in favor of immigration. And I think that's a disaster for our country. We are a nation of immigrants. We should be proud that we're a nation of immigrants. We should welcome new blood. We should welcome the hardworking people that want to forge their own path. We should always be a nation that wants to do that. But when people watch that their country is being taken advantage of and no one is doing anything about it, it breeds discontent. That's just – that is a human nature way to behave. And if we don't get a handle on what's happening at the border, if we don't start enforcing our laws, if we don't start punishing people instead of rewarding people for doing the wrong thing, you're going to lose many Americans that would have otherwise been in favor of immigration. I don't want to lose sight of this. When you, If you've ever known, and I've known many, and I'm proud to know them, people that are naturalized citizens into this country, they are – Amazing people, and they are – it's the biggest compliment Americans can get is for someone to come here and want to join us. But I think you have to do it legally. And the other part of it is here we are in Arizona clamoring for things like housing. Who's going to work in the agriculture world? Who's going to work in all these other positions that Americans are not doing? And we have a workforce that wants to come here to work. Instead of this idiotic Asylum program that's being taken advantage of where legitimate asylum seekers are waiting in long, long lines with the illegitimate asylum seekers instead of them thinking that is a way into this country. Why don't we give them a real legal way into this country where they can apply for a visa in their own country and come to the U.S., take a job, pay taxes, send money home to the poor countries they come from, and they can contribute to our workforce? It solves so many problems, and we can't even get people to consider it. Why? The discontent of what's happening at the border right now. The fact that we do not have effective control of our border, that the cartels are profiteering on the kindness of the Americans and the ignorance of people that believe what they're being told by the cartels. And we're doing nothing about it. Absolutely nothing about it.
And if we don't, we're going to we're going to lose a lot of support for immigration to this country. And it would be a shame because Americans have always looked at the immigrants that come here the right way and flourish and become the American dream in one generation and watch their children grow into great Americans and watch their grandchildren be born first generation Americans. It is a beautiful thing to see that I hope we never diminish. But we have got to stop mixing illegal and legal immigration together and calling everybody a migrant. We have to d- differentiate between lawbreakers and rule followers. And then we should reward the people that do it the right way and make it easier for people to do it the right way. It's not hard. I mean, we can do it as Americans. I know that we can accomplish that. But it's got to start with border security. It has to start with border security. I had a couple of great interviews today. Uh, Chuck Coughlin is with a company called High Ground. He's a political strategist. He's also a pollster. And I talked with Tony Connie, who is a Democrat that does the same thing. So two guys that are viewing from two different places on what's going on in our election. We're going to talk about what they both thought next.